Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the video game development podcast known as Game Dev Unchained, the podcast. I am one half of the hosting team, Larry Charles, and I bought my best friend, the other half, Mr. Brandon Fan. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Brandon Fan. Welcome to another episode of Game Dev Unchained. This week, we'll be discussing a very important topic with just me and my friend Larry here. Hey, and hey. our listeners have been asking for us to do these episodes. And so this week's topic, we're specifically talking about moving on up, moving through the ranks. To the east side. <laughs> to the east. To the deluxe apartment in the sky. Yeah. So <laughs> we've been working in the industry for the past eight to 10 years. I lost count. But enough times to move from student to a junior position, junior to mid-level, mid-level to senior, and then senior to lead, and eventually lead to by ourselves, right? So that's yeah. the goal. We're still working on the last step, but we're going to comment on the other steps that other people might be going through right now. Let's just jump right into it. And a part of this is I kind of want to hear your story, Larry. So from student getting into an entry level I know listeners out there have heard our backstory once in a while, but as a refresher for our new listeners out there, what is your story? What is your origin story? Oh, so I was a student at the Art Institute of Orange County, California, and about to graduate, I was really good friends with all the career service advisors. One, because they were cool people, but two, you know, it made sense, right? Like yeah. you should probably know them if you want to get a job and take advantage of the resources that your school has. So one of them, uh, Mr. Jim Rivers, who's also a guest in this podcast, by the way. So he let me know a very nice tip that Obsidian was coming to the school looking for entry-level designers. And I was able to score an interview for an early position at Obsidian through my contact and friend, Mr. Jim Rivers. So it's definitely the first thing I would say is make sure that you are familiar with people who are in positions to actually get you a job, especially if you've already paid for the service through your school tuition, like career service advisors. They're usually very good people. They have contacts in the industry or, you, or at least put you in the right hand so your resume can skip an online portal. Definitely take advantage of the resource of your school career service advisors if you have those. That was my first tip because that's how I got in. Yeah, uh, I mean, naturally, you're surrounded by people that wants to get an in industry that wants to give you a job in the industry, if you're a student. So, of course, you got to make friends with the recruiters, make friends with people who would put you in those positions to get a job. So Jim Rivers being our uh, student, what was a student advisor, right? Mm -hmm. uh, was a great contact to have while you're going through school because he is the point person for a lot of these jobs to talk about students to get them a job so my my origin story kind of started with the internship so i interned probably about a year before graduation a year and a half uh 
the company Crazy Pixel, which isn't around anymore, came to the school looking for students. So the thing that you guys out there need to really look forward to is that you are cheap and affordable. <laughs> and there's a lot of small companies that can't afford full-time artists, right? So they're going to schools first. And uh, depending on what type of school you're you're going to, if it's reputable like Noman, uh, it's a lot easier, of course. But if you're a art institute in one of the states uh, in the country, you're less than likely going to have someone come to your school to try to recruit you directly. So you got to go out there and look for these small companies and put your name out there, put your face out there, say, I'm free, I have skills and uh, score the internships, right? Internship is a great entryway. It's the first professional thing that you can put in your resume, which will give you a leg up over other students that have nothing at all. So that's my first advice. Secondly, when you're finally going out there to put yourself in the job market, if you have the internship, like I said, it's a lot easier. If you don't, then you still have to be surrounded by recruiters, your student advisors, if you're lucky enough to have companies to go to your school, then take advantage of that. If not, go out there, look on gamedevmap.com, which was my mm. best resource for looking at companies around my area <laughs> or companies around metropolitan areas that I would want to work for, like LA, Austin, Seattle. What it does is it just lists all the game companies available let's say in Seattle, and you just go through one by one on their website and see what positions they got and just apply. Just apply, 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 apply. Use the same cover letter, who cares? Switch out the names because you're probably gonna email out at least 30 a day. Like I was, in a given day, uh, I was emailing about that much just to see if there's any response. And some of it I kind of messed up on. Like I, <laughs> I forget to switch out the names <laughs> and like the title, and so that was it. Really, uh, I don't hear <laughs> I don't hear from those companies anymore, and I can't talk to them anymore because I messed up already on the cover letter. But the don't let that stop you, right? So it's just one of those things that you just got to really repeat and and just apply for. My story. Started with the internship, like I said, I interned there for about six months and I've told this story before, so I'll keep it short. I eventually turned that internship to a job offer, which I rejected because I had about six months left in my demo reel. I wanted to finish my demo reel. Stupid, right? Uh, as a student, don't be stupid like that. Any job, <laughs> any professional experience offer is going to be better than any demo reel that you're ever going to make on your own, right? You, you have professional work that you can show at your graduation yeah. it's much plus easier. you're yeah you're making the demo reel to help you get a job and the job shows up before you make the demo reel right uh, yeah so save a step looking back that was the noobish thing i've ever done and i didn't really have a good guidance counselor in any way that well i didn't really ask right i didn't reach out and say what would be the best decision so learn from my mistake your goal going through school is to get a job if a job shows up even if it's like within reason, right? If it's if it's you're commuting way too far, or uh, it costs you more to have that job pay you, then don't take that job. But if uh, it requires you to stretch a little to get that professional experience in your resume, that's priceless. Grab onto that and uh, ride that out if you can. I 
rejected that. I finished my demo reel. It took me about, uh, I graduated in December. So November, December is, are the worst months to look for a job period. You're oh, not yeah. going to find anything. Everyone's in vacation mode. So you got to wait, uh, and just put a blanket over you <laughs> and sit in <laughs> for winter, uh, because it won't be till January to February till you hear anything. So, uh, we won't dwell on the student part too much because we did a whole episode on that. But the fact is when I was at, uh, it took me about a month after December to apply to WayForward, which was a general job. Didn't have a junior title on it. It just said 3D artists and I was making Nintendo DS games. And that was mostly because of my demo reel. I showed up to the interview and they liked what they saw. I wasn't gearing it towards mobile. So that's another cool thing to think about. Go for triple A. If you're trying to get into mobile, if you're trying to work on lesser graphic intensive type of systems, having a triple A portfolio helps you kind of generalize your portfolio to every company. Mobile will like that. Triple A will like that. Most other systems would like that type of portfolio. So that helped me. Like I was able to apply to mobile companies and they liked my triple A looking stuff. And so that was my first real foot in the door. Um, Dude, nice, man. A lot of people are actually a little intimidated about applying to AAA right off the bat. So I'm sure you helped a lot of the people out there. I I mean, I think it. what helped was that gamedevmap.com. I just literally applied to every company. Yeah. So I didn't care. To me, it was just a text on a piece of paper that I had to check off the list. So I wasn't intimidated because I really didn't know what their company was. I mean, I just looked really fast, but I was more uh, concerned about getting a job than whether or not they'll like me or not. So mm. if you're applying to 30 to 50 jobs, one job won't intimidate you, to be honest. With that being said, that's our experience. I mean, I, I I have certain stories that I've heard from our colleagues, right? And this is a funny story that I like telling once in a while to my students. All right, what do you got? We'll keep his name out of it for obvious reasons. But, <laughs> but it rhymes with. <laughs> yeah. We'll just call him uh, Ned. <laughs> it's Ned, right? So Ned was a student that graduated with us. Uh, if you listen to the episode, we're like a group of four uh, originally from the same college and V um, recommended Ned to his place. So V graduated about two months before us and Ned was in our class. So Ned uh, applied to where V worked and V was six months in. This is his first major recommendation. And the reason why he recommended Ned was because Ned was always in the labs. He was doing good work. Outside of that, he didn't know too much about Ned. So on the interview day, uh, <laughs> Ned show up, not just with himself, but with his girlfriend, right? I guess mm -hmm. naturally, you know, maybe you don't have a car or something. That's fine. You get dropped off. Instead of being dropped off, Ned brought his girlfriend into the workplace. So this being a small place, they didn't really have a place for her to sit. And she was literally sitting next to him while he was interviewing, basically, right? A waiting room was basically a chair in the middle of the office. So 
that's the first no right there. Don't bring your girlfriend to an interview and don't let her it. sit there. Don't do it. It just looks bad. First of all, you don't have a car, right? So it just looks irresponsible. How old are you, man? He was like 22 at the time. It's like, what's the situation with your car? How are you going to get to work? Like all these questions are going through your employer's yeah. head. It's like you're already becoming an inconvenience. And I just <laughs> found out your name. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, I don't mean... <laughs> Why am I meeting your family <laughs> on your interview? <laughs> so all these things are going through his head, right? Or, or the employer's head. Uh, so Ned sits down. Uh, he brings his portfolio. Oh, that's another thing. He brought his portfolio, right? Back when printed portfolios were a thing. Now it's just mainly they pull your, your, your stuff up on a website and there's a projector. But this being a small place, he brought in his portfolio. They looked through his work and his work was good. Like there's nothing against Ned, but socially he was weird, right? Obviously something is a bit off. He brought his girlfriend in and uh, he brought his portfolio in. And the thing with his portfolio is that, you know, I don't want to jump too far ahead is that uh, he took it with him. <laughs> so when the employer was looking for his stuff to pass around work, couldn't find it found out that he took it with them so there wasn't even he was nothing, doing to refer every, to. nothing to refer to they didn't have his information and then him already leaving a bad taste in their mouth from everything and while and i'll let you take this over because i think you know this a little bit more so during the interview right what exactly did he do that was like really bad <laughs> Yeah, so let's say they're interviewing for like, you know, junior artists or whatever. So after his interview, he's like, oh, okay, so everything's cool. Well, I also have some friends who are junior artists. And he's like ready to recommend people for the interview for the job that he needed himself. That, posi yeah, right, right. That's, that position was only for one. For one. <laughs> it was one role to fill. And he oh. recommended his friend for the same position. He was completely off. Yeah, I, I I understand that whole story. I knew who you were, who you were talking about <laughs> when you changed the name to Ned. I, I got to say, man, I, I hope things are a lot better. Yeah, I mean, this is your first shot. Just don't do that, guys. <laughs> That's This is your first yeah. shot. I'm sure he's out there doing well, though, but yeah, don't repeat those mistakes. I hope so. I hope he learned from his mistakes, but that is, that is a tough one, man. Uh, I, I think a very he's doing junior well. thing to do. He's yeah. doing well. I think he's doing well. Well, I mean, that's the net story. Within one interview, he shot his foot full of holes. <laughs> but I think he's doing okay now. He's actually in the industry. So that being said, you know, just because he created bad mark doesn't mean you're you're scarred forever. So yeah. if you've done such terrible things in your first interview, don't don't be so uh, thrown off by it. Right, learn from your mistakes, move on. Yeah. Yeah, uh, another thing is that this kind of comes off, like I, I teach on the side and I talk to students all the time. And uh, especially with students who are graduating in this time frame, November, December, they can get pretty desperate, right? So they don't know what the industry is like. I, I, I can understand that, I can relate. They just put their resume out there and a minute in real life is like, days for them so they're sitting there anxiously you know thinking that after they graduate they can get a job if they have a good portfolio which is only half the truth right having a good portfolio is halfway there but the other half a lot has to do with timing and 
that's outside your control, right? You don't know what the company's up to. You don't know what they're doing. They don't, you don't know what their process is like. So a lot of waiting. So if you don't have an experience, especially you're being passed over or simply they're just waiting it out, see another good candidate show up or not. Be careful on those cover letters. Yeah. <laughs> I've read some bad cover letters where initially they would be respectful and say, Hey, if you had the time, I really love your company. I would have, uh, I would love to have a chance to work for you guys. Here's my portfolio. Sincerely student's name, right? Yeah. Straight to the point. And then as weeks go by, it becomes like, Hey, I'll do anything. <laughs> Can you give me a job? I've been waiting by the phone. You said you would call me at GDC. It's been two hours <laughs> since. <laughs> Yeah, don't be a stand, man. Yeah, just be careful. <laughs> just understand that the process is a lot bigger than you. <laughs> yeah, they don't owe you anything, by the way. You know what I mean? You applying is you're being in line hoping that they're going to put soup in your bowl. They don't owe you the soup just because you have a bowl. So basically what I'm saying is understand that when you're applying, when you're sending your resume, it's them who has a job opportunity for you, not you who is deserving of a job. So therefore they owe you. Yeah. Just take your time. All you can do is apply. You know what you can do with your free time? Apply to another job, work in your portfolio. Like Also up. true. Eat up your time with other things. Don't be sitting around by the phone. And this kind of applies to the last thing I want to add. And I don't want to spend too long with the student thing, but uh, applying to multiple positions for the same job site. So I was guilty of this too. Like I want to be a 3D artist. So 3D artists encompass environment art, and character art, props. So I was like, oh, look. So the more I apply at the same job, the more chances I get, right? So this is a very natural thing students will think. Completely untrue. If I see your name applied four different times for four different jobs, I'm going to write you off. I won't even look at your website. It's like, why? You bothered me this much already. <laughs> Plus, it shows a lot of desperation and not necessarily focus or you know, um, confidence in your initial or main abilities, right? Like if you applied, let's say you were a really good designer, but you also thought you could do a little bit of scripting, or you also thought you could do a little bit of production or cinematics animation, and you applied for a bunch of stuff. How does that company know which one you're the best at? If they like see four emails come through for the same client. Yeah, I get it. It's, I would say no, if I Simon Kyle, I would hit the X. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a no from me. <laughs> it's a complete X if you're trying to apply at a bigger job. Uh, smaller companies, even then, they still want to see you being very good at one thing. And if, at the interview, after they like you, if you reveal, like, hey, I actually do other things, that might be okay. Smaller companies, they kind of like you wearing different hats, but they're looking for a specific role to fill first before seeing that you are competent in other areas they might need, right? Because they're already looking for a character artist. They're already looking for environment artists. And to be kick-ass in any of those disciplines, those guys are spending 24-7 on that particular thing. So there's no way you having your time split as a student is in any match to these guys who are really specialized. So don't, don't do that, man. Just... Yeah. Focus on one thing, apply for one job, and be consistent across other jobs. So 
that's the student portion. That's how you can move up from being a student to a junior role. Uh, now we want to move on to the junior to mid level. So let's say you finally get that job, right? You're sitting there, you're earning your stripes, you're getting to know the team, you're getting to know the process, you're getting your first job and you realize everything you learn at school is complete crap. So you're relearning everything, the whole process again. What one month is at the job is probably equal to a year at your school. So here you are, you're loving what you're doing, but now you're trying to get more responsibilities. Eventually you're going to grow tired of being the texture up resin guy, <laughs> a very junior role. So you're trying your best to do something else, you know, trying to get your leads attention. It's like, Hey, I'm actually more capable in this. So Larry, what, what is your best advice? And you know, maybe a personal story. Sure. My best advice would be to make sure that you're ready for the job and already actually handling as many of those responsibilities. Because when it comes to promotions, it's more than likely that you're already going to be fulfilling those functions without the title name. And then come to a point where you're like, Hey, this is my title now, right? Like you can actually, they can't say no. Cause they're like, yeah, you know, you are doing senior design or you are doing senior engineering and we were going to hire that person, but we're just going to promote you. You know, um, that's actually how it happened for me one time in my life. Uh, I was working on lost planet three. I was a junior designer, shipped the project. I said, all right, if you look at my career, if you look at my history, getting up to this point, like everything is pretty good. But my involvement on this project was no different than any other designer on this project. I did my own levels. I fixed my own bugs. I did, you know, uh, combats. I'd like, I did top to bottom an entire level. So, and not only that, the other designers learn how to use the quest tools or I did X, Y, and Z. I was able to prove exactly what I was doing and how it was on par with a role that was hired to my current status. And uh, for the next project, they ended up hiring me, trying to hire me as a designer. Uh, unfortunately, I had an offer from a, another company that was more interesting. So I had to take that, but you know, that's how it goes. But anyway, Long story short, my advice is make sure like the best way to help yourself and move up is already start doing the job as much as you can that you're trying to move into so that they don't have any reason to say no, like you're already there. It's just the lateral to them. To yeah. you, it's a step up. Yeah. Uh, I think my experience for every ranking up has been trying to get them to see that you're capable of or responsibilities, basically. They want to see you do that role before giving that role, right? Obviously, they want to make sure. If you're staring at the same place, right? It's very hard for people to visualize how different you are if yesterday you were doing the same thing as you did the last two years. So for me, when I was, uh, I mean, technically I was general 3D artist, but I guess it was my junior role in at WayForward while I was my first job. I, I worked there for two, three months, but I was applying for different jobs every day because I wasn't satisfied being there. The place was great. The people were great. It's just that I wanted to work on bigger games. So even though I got my first job, I worked every day after to make sure that I applied where I wanted. If you get your foot in the door, it doesn't mean that you have to stay there forever. It's very easy 
for a lot of students out there to get very comfortable at their first job. It's like, well, you've been busting ass the last two, three years in school, and now you finally made it, right? Quote, unquote. Even if it's not the place that you wanted, you're in the industry, right? You're a professional, you're getting a paycheck, you're showing up every day like everyone else, doing your nine to five, going home, having a life. Now you can relax, right? Yeah, some people actually say, yes, now I can relax, and other people are working twice as hard. Yeah. Now that they don't have homework to make sure that they can get to the next level. And um, in my own personal experience, I made a decision saying, if I settle now, I'll never be where I want to be. I could have easily see myself spending another year and a half at WayForward if I just didn't care as much. And that's exactly what happened to my colleagues. So uh, I'm not guessing here. I, I just look exactly with at the people that that worked there while I was working there and how long they stayed there. Even though they said they wanted to leave, they ended up staying there for another year and a half, not by their own decision. They were eventually just cut off from the con uh, the project and got canceled on. And uh, one of the three are, uh, remains to be in the industry. So a lot of those guys, that was their first job. And so their first layoff was a year after and there was three other people in my position that was working on the same project. And one of them uh, is still working in the industry. The other two switch jobs, switch professions. So I don't know what the story was. Either they weren't able to swing it to another job or they just had a difficult time coping with the layoff <laughs> and didn't have a portfolio. But I knew I made the right decision, obviously. And a lot of it was because, uh, you know, you really do set the tone on your first job. And I felt like I needed to make a statement by, by doing something else in two, three months. So that helped me push, push it forward. I eventually got my, my job at 2k. It was a uh, mid-level mostly because I was working at a smaller company. So this is the advantage of working at a smaller company. I did multiple things that a regular junior wouldn't do. Like I was doing environments, I was doing props. I did a little animation. <laughs> uh, I did a little world building. So there are advantages at working in smaller companies for that reason. You're wearing multiple hats. And because it's like a lot of projects going in, especially like outsourcing companies, you mm -hmm. get to test your skills and expand and learn as an artist more than if you were to jump from school to a AAA company. Mm -hmm. So uh, I guess we can touch it on a little bit, but we talked about this a lot. AAA companies, if you're in a team of 300, it's very specialized. Don't expect to go out there and be touching different types of pipelines. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, doing yeah. multiple things. Like it's not gonna happen. You're gonna be hired to be a texture guy and you'll be texturing till you drop dead until <laughs> and that's just the way it is. And so you might be really good at textures, but that's it. You won't be able to, you know, I'm speaking from an environment artist, you won't be able to model as much or you won't be able to be in the editor as much or you won't be able to light as much. Yeah. These are the things you're sacrificing in. Unless you're a very disciplined artist, you probably won't be caught up with those things as the industry grows, right? So you might be behind by the time you look for another job. Long story short, 
junior to mid-level, my story was mostly because I pushed for it. And when I applied for it, uh, it was mostly showcasing what I've done beyond mm-hmm. what a junior does. Right, That's the key word, just doing what a mid-level artist would be doing and then showing that to your employer to justify your jumping rank. Yeah. So now... I mean, here's the big one. Most of our listeners, based on the demographics that I saw, are kind of in this category, the trying to get to senior level, but not quite there yet, right? Mm-hmm. So, Mr. Brandon Fam, you actually were able to achieve this a little early. What was your, what would you say was probably, you know, your, I guess, game plan for moving up to senior level? And then I'll, I'll come in after you for, with mine. So, I was uh, at 2K as a mid-level artist for about two, three years or three, four years, actually, pretty long. So I worked on Bioshock 2 for like about a year and a half. And then we rolled off to XCOM. Uh, Not the good XCOM, the bad XCOM. (laughs) So this is a pattern that I've noticed in my career. Like I would go to a company for a very uh, cool project, right? A project that I really liked. And then eventually once that project gets wrapped up, the second game wasn't something I would normally sign up for. It was kind of like, let's keep the ship uh, floating. And so this is the project we're going to work on. So that happened over at 2K. I wasn't excited about the project. I was starting to get very bored. You, I mean, imagine working on something like Bioshock and then going to something like XCOM, uh, the bad game. <laughs> it was just not as interesting, right? It was a hard art style to cope with and uh i wasn't having any fun and as i've learned right this is my first game company people leave Mm. especially senior guys if they don't like what they see they leave i mean that's really it they don't really sit around and justify i was very junior so i sat it out way too long (laughs) i would say a year passed where i should have left it was a very important company to me because it was my first company yeah. I had a lot of good friends and the project was cool. So I stayed longer than I should have. Like, I, I think I would have been able to make senior way before than that I've had probably. Uh, so we're saying about four year mark for me, right? Being in industry four year mark, usually a senior is five year plus or six year plus uh, based on your experience. So I'm saying that I could have made the jump at three years looking back, but I stayed. So when I did finally make the jump, it was mostly because I looked around. I kind of make fun of this, but it was when a lot of new people were coming in, a lot of old people left and I was out at lunch and one of the new guys came up to me and say, Hey, I haven't seen you around. Are you new to this company? When did you start? (laughs) And this was like four years after, and I was so upset. And mostly not at the guy, right? At myself to, to stay long enough for that to happen. Right. To me, it was like, man, you overstayed your welcome. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, uh, now that you want to quit, you didn't go out with the best. You're kind of leftovers from who (laughs) I hate to put it that way for any guys, for anybody out there who's been on, on a, in a company right and you see all your friends leave and you like see the second generation come in to work on the new 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 title 
I think you can um, relate to my feeling. So I was feeling that and I was like, all right, it's time to go because this is ridiculous. And so I applied at this time you were working at spark. Oh uh, yeah. 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 So 2k is definitely up there, right? Uh, <laughs> publisher wise. They're really, they have a lot of things going. Can't see his hands, but he raised them slightly above his chin. <laughs> yeah. Slightly above his chin and spark is there, right? They're an independent company less stable for sure, but they were working on an interesting project. This is one way. I know two ways really to make any jump into a higher rank. It doesn't have to be senior. It could be junior to the middle. It is either switching jobs, right? Mm -hmm. To a smaller company to get that higher rank or just stay at your current company and just justify it pretty much. Just put in all the hard work show that you're that material right um the second way is definitely harder than the first because first of all you gotta not only you have to prove that you can do it you gotta have to beat the stigma of i've seen you as a junior for the last two years so what makes you different today that's hard to beat Mm -hmm. Right. If they know you one certain way, it's hard for your lead or anyone else to justify paying you the extra 10 to 20 K to just put a better title on you for more responsibilities. I'm not saying impossible, but it's a lot tougher at the time. I didn't want to do that because I didn't like, <laughs> I didn't like what the company was doing. Like the, I didn't like the project. So I wanted to leave. So I left because, you know, first of all, I haven't worked with Larry professionally yet sounded like a cool project. I flew over there. It was for a senior. Uh, and because of my experience working on a big title, that helped a lot. Mm-hmm. And they were like, all right, we're ready to offer you senior. This is how much. Come work for us. You know, I'm originally from LA. 2K was in NorCal. Opportunities lined up. So I took the job. So that's how I got my first senior role on Lost Planet 3. Nice. It's a, it's a nostalgic story. It almost brought a little tear. <laughs> the good old days. Yeah, we're just walking back. It's fun just to kind of think about it. Like, I, I kind of get reminded once in a while a student asks me about these things. I mean, they're mostly interested about getting the first job. So I haven't mm-hmm. had the opportunity to really tell them, you know, everything that has come to pass since getting my first job. But a lot of the lessons is pretty much the same. It's like really just showing up as if you own the job already, right? doing the responsibilities they expect of you for that role, right? If you're trying to go senior, you got to do senior-ish things. Um, and I don't know. Do you agree with me? There's really only two ways, right, to to really move up, which is just staying there, yeah. putting in the time, or just leaving to another, another company. So they're both effective, but one, I would say, is faster and more efficient. Yeah. And usually it's interviewing and securing the job while you have a job already. Yeah. That's, that's just getting recruited out is probably more successful at getting people promoted and more money than staying at a company and working really, really hard. Yeah. But they both work, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, uh, yeah. I mean, the thing with staying there and working really, really hard, the thing that employers or your lead has to worry about is your peers. So imagine explaining to that mid-level artist that you worked alongside with, like, how come he got senior? There's a lot of animosity, I think. Yeah. 
I, I feel like there's a lot of animosity among your peers. Like, he got promoted. He worked as long as I have. And now he's my senior. Like, you got to battle that, too. So that's the weird part. So it's not just you. It's, like, your colleagues and how they would react to it. And yeah. they have to balance that out to make sure that the community <laughs> is yeah. peaceful during the yeah. transition. You don't want to tear that fabric, man, because it's you need the you need the creative brilliance that your developers bring to the table. And so if any sort of rift like that goes unchecked, it can create big problems. Just leave. <laughs> I mean, unless you really like the project and the team, right? Then you're just going to do what you're going to do. Uh, ask for more responsibilities. Ask, you know, lay it all out. It's like, hey, I, eventually in a year, I want to turn into this role, right, in your yearly reviews which I think we should go over yearly reviews, right? So every company has a yearly review, which is around, I would say after the new year, probably around March, mm -hmm. uh, most likely. And the idea is to see what you can improve on, what you did well last year and what you can improve on. They usually focus on what you could improve on because mm -hmm. that's their way of saying no. <laughs> they bullet point as much as they could on reasons why they shouldn't give you a, like a huge raise basically <laughs> and they just point it all out um this is an opportunity for you of course to say that because you've done great things therefore i'm ready to move to a senior role going into anything like a yearly review if you know ahead of time that you're going to be asking for something like a raise or even a different title altogether or any sort of new perk or privilege that you didn't have i i go back to what i said earlier on but like already be doing the stuff that you know that they're going to ask about right like don't go in there making promises like yeah yeah i i will do that or yeah yeah of course i can i can like no you want to go in there and be like yeah uh, i just did that Right. Yeah, I'm already familiar with that. We're the ones who actually put this together for you ahead of time. Yeah. You know, so going into your reviews with ammunition is beneficial. And, you know, obviously a producer is going to try to let you know where you can improve or what you can do better because they're never, even if you got straight A's, they're never going to let you walk out of there feeling like you got straight A's yeah. because they always feel like they can get more out of you. Yeah. It's a great strategy for them. And you just got to come in prepared. Yeah. My best thing is like every task that you've done significantly that boosted the team's performance, write mm -hmm. it down so that you have that list to go into the meeting and be like, this is what I did because yeah. they will forget. Yeah. Uh, you're only as good as your last prop is something that was said to me as a you know, as a mid-level artist at 2K. And it's so true. Like you can be a kick-ass one week, but the following week you have a bad week. That's what they remember, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Because everyone has a bad week, but you yeah. continuously have to perform, which is unrealistic. Like you always have to be on top of your game. Come on. Like there's going to be a downtime, right? You got to have time to relax, to recoup, recharge. And if you're showing up a hundred percent all the time, you're taking drugs or something, yeah. <laughs> snorting something before you go in because that's impossible. So you got to write down all your best things and they really want to see what you've done differently outside of the uh you know outside of your circle right how what makes you stand out what makes you deserve that that position that senior role uh, yearly reviews are the other way to do it i haven't come out from a yearly review where it's like oh my god 
or even heard of a yearly review where like we're gonna give you more money just because everything you've done has checked off the list like we're ready yeah. to deal they yeah. always try to ping you so you really yourself have to push it um along with your lead right so if you want to move up you, you gotta be best friends with the lead and be on top of things because he essentially is the person that's going to go up to the executive producer or the person with the money within the company and fight for you right mm -hmm. If your lead is not on your side, and or worse, he hates you, <laughs> you're not going to get that senior role. You're not going to move up. It's not going to happen. right? He's the guy who's been watching you the whole year. Right? <laughs> There's no one else. He's the guy or girl. And you got to make sure that you guys are on the same page. So a lot of that is just take those walks, talk to them. You know, <laughs> I've been doing this. I've been doing that. You know, where do you see me uh, going to be? Where are you going to see me uh, in those, you know, talks when we finally have a ranking up type of conversation? Yeah. So that's senior. Before we move to the next thing, I kind of want to comment on. So I went from Spark Senior to Sledge, and I think you should talk about this too. Um, and I maintained my senior. So... If I were to go from 2K Junior to Sledge Senior, I think that would have been nearly impossible. Mm -hmm. uh, Sledge is obviously a pretty well-established company. They make Call of Duties. Um, so they're looking for experience a lot in big titles a lot. But more importantly, for, for someone to handle senior roles, they're looking for people who've done it before. Mm -hmm. uh, so for me to look back, like I said before, if you're looking to go into a bigger company for a more substantial position, like a senior role or above, um, the alternate route, like I said, is to go from small to big. So that helped me personally. Like, uh, I wasn't planning to go from Spark to Sledge. It just so happened to be that way. But the conversation was a lot easier. Because, uh, first of all, I gained the experience I needed to be a senior. You know, I, I was at Spark being a senior, doing seniorly things. So it wasn't such a jump to be like, oh, yeah, we're doing the same thing. But do the same thing over here at Sledge. I was like, all right, yeah, I can do that. And so the position and the negotiation was a lot easier. Um, so if you guys ever want to jump from a junior role to, or a mid-level role to a bigger role at a bigger company, that's one of the other routes that I would recommend. Again, just, you know, learn the job first, be able to perform the job before going out there and doing a whole concert of big games. <laughs> My transition wasn't as graceful. It was, uh... I was trying to protect my butt from a bad bargaining situation with Spark Unlimited. So basically with getting uh, the promotion to uh, level designer from junior, it is worth noting that they took away what would have been an overtime contract paid a lot more and offered me a salary contract paid a lot less. Yeah. But without overtime, if you just compared the base rate, you're like, oh, it's better. But I knew my workload wasn't going to be any less, you know, so I knew that I was going to get screwed on the back end. 
anyway, we're going to offer you this job and you sign on Monday. We're giving it to you Friday at five o'clock. I mean, there's no business days in between, you know? So what ended up happening was I was like, all right, I, I guess I have to accept this because it's either this or no job. But I felt bad for maybe a day. And then I said, no, if they're going to put you in a compromising situation to try to force you to sign, then if, you know, something that you had going on the back end that just didn't get back to you in time yet comes through and you say yes, that's not your fault, you know. And so that's actually exactly what happened. I asked Spark for some time and they said, no, they gave it to me Friday at five. They needed it Monday. And I said, okay, fine, I'll sign this. And then if something comes through and I get it, I'm, I just have to go. And that's how it happened. So Sledgehammer brought me up. Yeah, I think a lot of the times when you're negotiating or leaving jobs, there's like a sympathy card that you play for the company or empathy card. Empathy card for an employer. I think that's one of the biggest trappings for a professional working into the field. Like you're starting to like, oh, poor big corporate guy how would they feel when i leave <laughs> like the truth is they don't care <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you're replaceable i haven't had a bad breakup before with a company and mostly because you know you got to remember they've done this a million times so if you have a bigger opportunity you go look out for number one yeah. which is yourself uh because big daddy is going to be okay <laughs> with or without you um, so if you're staying just for the sake of, you know, not wanting to break the news, <laughs> breaking the bad news to the person, uh, that helped you so far in your career, you know, if they really care about you, then they'll let you, they'll let be you happy go. For, yeah. yeah, they'll be happy for you. Right. So never let that be any way stopping you from your success. Uh, I think I felt it about. Probably my first time, sort of. So my first time was from way forward to 2K, which is the junior role to mid-level. Never had to quit before, really. Um, Much less three months after starting a job. (laughs) About nine months before finishing a project. So it wasn't even mid-project. It was literally three months in. But I knew oh, I wanted to work on a bigger projects, so I made the decision. And when I told the guy, I was very surprised by how professional he was. He was like, oh, I totally understand. You know, best of luck. Uh, we're here if you need us. Uh, thanks for telling me uh, in turning your two weeks. And that was it. So yeah. that, from that moment on, I knew it was like, you know, it's not that crazy. It's not that personal. People understand. Yeah. Like, it's a good thing I didn't hold back in any way. So I just continue forward with that. And it's helped me. And a lot of people that I've talked to, their experience quite similar. They turn into their two weeks and they move on with their life. So yeah. does your employer. So the sooner you <laughs> let them know, uh, this, the better, so they can start replacing you, uh, mentally. So, <laughs> uh, so the last part, I don't want to sit on this for too long, but senior to lead. So I'm still in that, position right uh i left sledgehammer for the same reason uh i won't comment too much but (laughs) i came on to that company for one project and another project happened and uh i wanted to work on something else at the same time i wanted to move down to orange county again Mm. and uh my friend uh, talked about his friend uh, which is that section right now and a position opened up and it was for lead. 
So I was at a point in my career where I was really, it's no secret if you're a listener to this podcast, I got pretty bored. Not just the project, but mostly because the specialization. You're really expected to show up to do one certain thing. Of course, you're not restricted, right? If you really want to flex your muscles and work extra hard, you can do other things. But most of the time, you know, that other thing is being taken up by another person, right? That's why they have a 300 plus team. So this is not just towards Sledgehammer, but it's mostly, you know, generally AAA companies. To me, I've done that most of my career and I wanted something new. Like I felt like the artist in me wasn't growing. Uh, I felt stale and I wanted new challenges. So that's where I ended up, right? I went to uh, this company. We're working on, on an announced project. It was very exciting. It was a bunch of really talented people that I want to work alongside. At the same time, uh, I, I wanted more responsibilities. So that conversation mostly started with me reaching out and them responding and they were looking for a lead and it was as simple as, all right, again, my AAA experience helped me land the job, even though I wasn't lead before, but my responsibilities, like I've handled uh, juniors, I've managed people, my teaching experience helped too, like being able to be in front of students, helping them along with their own projects. Like a lot of the cases, like I've done this before, I just haven't had the title that helped with the negotiation. Uh, And it was the same rules as before. Like it it really isn't that different. Maybe you have more experience doing for certain things, but the steps are the same. Like just being able to show that you've done this before. It's not a risk hiring me. Right. You are really going in there, like showing them like the blueprint of what you've done so far and it matches what they're looking for so for me that was it like uh it was a very short actually the interview process and i was able to obviously i'm here right i'm working as lead on a really cool project and uh the freedom was mostly what i wanted like us sitting here talking to you on a podcast is a very rare thing you know how many times we would have been shut down (laughs) per episode (laughs) mid episode (laughs) like it's like the things that i'm doing right now on the side with larry uh and the things i'm doing at work it's like i this is the first place where they encourage me doing other things they they see it as you coming out doing things outside of work and then bringing that inside their their house with experience with exposure with with like more to add like you're growing as an artist but you're you're helping them grow as a studio because you're 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 different than the norm well all i can say is i can probably align myself with people who are interested in becoming a lead and not necessarily there yet i guess i can be on the side of people who are senior level who want to move into lead but who are just not there yet i personally dabble on the side of half my job is lead level designer the other half is just senior game designer so that transition is is one that is somewhat elusive for a lot of people one there has to be an opening right like you can't just 
move on into a position that's already filled. You know, if it's not vacant, it's it's irrelevant if they you're the second lead level designer or the third lead executive. It's like you you can't have more than one lead for one major responsibility. So making sure that you know you see the path in front of you career-wise is very important. For example, the lead who is in the role that you want right now, how happy are they? How long do you think that they are going to maintain that position or their interest in this company or whatever? Now, I'm not saying plan or you know what I mean like wait in and lie in wait for something bad to happen to your lead I'm just saying it is worthwhile to actually just take note of hey I could see myself in a leadership position I do know that the leader who's currently there may want to move on to another project soon I should probably is because if I am right about this they may pick somebody to you know become the new lead I would like it to be me yeah funny that you mentioned that thinking back I've always been chasing for the higher position. Mm-hmm. Uh, I felt like I was unfulfilled in some way. And a lot of it has been me reaching out to see, you know, maybe I can become a mid-level, maybe because I, I'm not doing enough things or I'm not working on big enough projects. All right, I've done that. Maybe because I need to be a senior because I'm so tired of just doing like small props or big props. Like I want to take control of a level or I want mm. to have more responsibility. All right, I've already done the senior. Now I want to be a lead. Maybe because I want to manage people now, you know, mm. helping people along their way to, to create a project, like to have more control and more more ownership over a game so that it's not just me working on one part of the level, but having equal parts throughout the game. And now that I'm in position, even though I'm happier, there is a part of me where it's like, I'm still unfulfilled. And this is Mm. why, you know, we're doing these things. I think eventually everything that I've been reaching for is just, I just want to make my own game to finish. Like, Sure, you know, being in a professional setting with other professionals that you've met uh, at a job, right? It's cool to sit in a room and pitch ideas and get something going, right? That's pretty close. But being able to pick your friends from start to finish, to put down an idea and execute it and massage it and be able to just say what it is and put it in the game without having to get it okay by people you just met (laughs) in some relative sense, Uh, which is a process, sure. But I think throughout my career, looking back, you know, we're talking about climbing ranks and everything. If I had a mentor of some sort, like let's say me mentoring myself eight years from now, I think I would have felt differently. Like I think I would have taken a different path as in, like just focusing on what I really wanted. I thought I knew what I wanted, but that was mostly because I was just looking at people in that position mm-hmm. more than looking at myself. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty deep. deep. <laughs> I get lost, dude. I'm still kind of lost because a lot of it I think is like, oh, well, he's happy, obviously, because that's, that's what he's doing. Oh, therefore, I need to just copy what he's doing like being in the higher position but i never really listened to myself uh <laughs> i think i've always had a problem with authority not because i don't think authority knows more you know are way more smarter than i am and way more capable of doing the job that they do it's not that i think it's just like i don't like being limited mm. 
I think that's the restraint, right? Me saying one thing and then having it to be approved. I don't like that process too much. So even as a lead, I still have a boss who is an awesome boss, but I still have someone to say no or yes. And that restriction is something I can't cope with even at this stage. So I don't know if other people out there feel the same as I do, but um, I, I like where I am, but I would like it more. <laughs> I think the ultimate goal is to work on my own game. I mean, I think that's always been the case. That's why I've always wanted to get in the industry. Like I've had all these ideas that I've wanted to execute on and uh, didn't have a team behind it. A small team. I, I really am against big teams. <laughs> yeah. How do you feel? Like looking back, like you were climbing up, obviously, maybe for the same reason, for different reasons. But looking back, like in retrospect, what, what what is it all about? Well, for me, the goal was to get into the game industry, to pick my field and learn as much as I possibly could along that path so that I could be the most knowledgeable person in that field for a game company that I started. So that plan required, you know, very strategic partnerships from the beginning, but it also required a lot of effort on my own behalf to move up through my field and, you know, work at different levels of design. And so not to brag, this isn't about bragging, but it's about, it's more about just understanding that there was something I needed to execute and moving up didn't necessarily have a timeline. I just had a requirement to achieve the rank before starting the game company. Like I would not have wanted to start my own game company again without a, doing like some sort of lead design, you know, for some project for a, a company that was actually paying for those services. You know, it's, I can go on LinkedIn and call myself lead designer of Larry studios right now, yeah. but you know, it's, I wanted the experience. Yeah. I think that's the main thing. You gotta have the experience. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it's about. It's the best education you can get, man. Uh, college, I love college because you get a safe environment and you get prepared and you get great resources and classes. But man, I'm telling you, it's just experience is something different, right? It's like that education that you always keep with you because it's, I don't want to say it's, it, it's, it's intangible in a sense, but it's, it is the best way to recall or to learn something is just to having gone through it a bunch of times, you know, mm -hmm. how do you learn how to beat Tyson? You fight Tyson. Yeah. <laughs> Not to say that I regret anything. <laughs> I'm just kind of thinking out loud what I've been feeling, but the experience is key. Like you're not going to get that sitting at home looking at game design. <laughs> Like you really got to put yourself out there. And I, play I, I'm glad I played it. I'm glad I'm where I am. I'm ready. Like, that's what I'm saying. I think yeah. finally for the first time in my life or my professional career, I'm ready to do what I've always wanted to do, uh, which is working with my friends on our own, which is scary, but that's one of the reasons why we have this podcast to get experience. So we really want to know, what you guys feel out there. I mean, this is our own personal experience. These are experiences that we're sharing from our colleagues and friends, but any stories out there is a different experience. And I want to really know what you guys think about everything that we talked about, everything that you're thinking right now to yeah. help everyone else out there. So 
how can you do that? Well, you can probably find us on Facebook, Game Dev Unchained the Podcast. We are definitely there. You know, uh, we look forward to interacting with you guys. We always ask you questions. We can make things a little bit better for you. And we just love the feedback. We love the support. We love what we do. And I hear the cops outside. I don't know if you guys can, but I, I can definitely hear the cops. They must be chasing turkeys. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. This is Larry Charles from the Game Dev Unchained Podcast. I'm out. Good night. Hey, thank you for joining us this week. This is Brandon Fam. I'll see you next week. Later. If you enjoyed this podcast and you want to stay in touch or continue to follow our developments, then you need to go to facebook.com forward slash game dev unchained and drop a like and stay in touch. You can also get the direct feed for this podcast on soundcloud.com forward slash game dev unchained.